Salutations and shit, folks. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Travel and Shit, where I, your host, D. Carrie, have an experience-based conversation that promotes the idea that travel is more than vacation. So to those of you that have been here before, thanks for rocking with the kid and welcome back. Um, shout out to Raven. I was actually going through the analytics and appreciate your support, sis. If you hear any smacking in the background, that's my co-host Binksy, my dog. She uh, enjoys sitting in my lap so that she can feel a part of the um, the magic that happens over here on Travel and Shit. So if you happen to hear a smacking, promise it's not me. Um, and if you would like to see the cuteness that is the puppy with all the juice, watch uh, the podcast on the YouTube channel. Uh, you can find the episodes. Uh, I link them. I link the YouTube episodes on a post for each episode on my website, which I recently updated. So head over to travelandshippodcast.com so you can uh, feast your eyes on my tangerine. I did the best I could. <laughs> I think it's pretty cute. So um, that's an update there. Um, and this episode however, is for the new listeners. Come in close. I'm happy that you're here. And one of the things that I have consistently, consistently, consistently seen are a number of misconceptions about travel that often keeps a lot of people from traveling. And many of these misconceptions, I too was, um, I don't wanna say unfortunate enough to believe, but at some point in time, I did believe a lot of, you know, what I'm about to go over to be true. Thankfully, I, you know, was, I guess you can say, opened up to the possibilities that travel um, actually can be for me and is for me because of social media. I was able to just see more people that looked like me, that sounded like me, and that I felt had things in common with me actually, you know, jumping around the world and seeing all the beautiful things that the world has to offer us. So this episode in particular is for those of you who are wanting to travel, who like the idea or the way travel looks or the way people talk about it and the way that it appeals to you, but just aren't really sure if it's something that is attainable for you. And hopefully by the end of this episode, all of you will see that travel is for the people. Travel is for all of us. It's absolutely attainable. A matter of, I don't wanna say due diligence, but it's absolutely a matter of where you, I don't wanna say place your priorities either, but in essence, it is a matter of where you place your priorities. And it'll make sense with the first uh, misconception that I'm going to speak of and that it's expensive and not just expensive that, you know, it's got a cost attached to it, but like an inaccessible expense that makes it so that you or, um, you know, someone like you won't be able to travel. I know before I really started digging around into travel, I absolutely thought that I would never be able to travel. I figured that I would need to have a certain job where I had a certain number um, attached to the bank account that would unlock the potential of travel or unlock the opportunity to travel for me. And it's 
not wrong, but it's also not 100% correct either. The thing about travel and the assorted assorted expenses that come along with travel is that it doesn't have to be cost prohibitive. There are absolutely ways to get yourself out about and around the world in a fashion that you can afford. And this one kind of goes in connection with the second misconception I'm going to speak on. So I'm hoping that I don't bleed them together too much. So we all know about Expedia. I'm I'm pretty certain that anybody that's listening to this has absolutely heard of Expedia, TripAdvisor. um, What other sites was I using? Kayak. I've booked on Kayak before, but I want to say Expedia is probably the most popular packaging site where you can purchase your flights, you can purchase your accommodations, and you can purchase your um, experiences or your excursions. So they, of course, will show you the most expensive option first or the best uh, or most highly rated options first. Um, Makes sense. It's a company. It's a business. That's what businesses do, right? That being said, you don't have to choose those options. And you also don't have to package everything together in one, uh, in one lump. It doesn't have to be purchased in one um, unit. You can absolutely book your travel separately. So you can book your flights separate from, you, from booking your accommodations. You can also book your experiences separate from the other two. You don't have to do all three together and you don't always have to do all three. For example, you can always go to visit someone in an area that is outside of where you live. And that's one way that it can be a lot more um, cost-effective. I know when, before I left the country, I used to visit friends and family in different states. My heavy hitters were um, Louisiana and Virginia. I spent quite a few New Orleans, uh, Mardi Gras, quite a few Mardi Gras in New Orleans with my homegirl, Angie. Hey, boo. And I would often go see my cousin in Virginia. Generally, I would drive to Virginia and I would always fly to uh, New Orleans. And both times I would stay with my people for free. And so the only real cost that I had was transportation, whether it would be the flight or, you know, the cost of tolls and gas. Um, Other than that, my people kept me for free and I would just like pay for a couple of meals or I would uh, contribute to, and for the most part, I don't know how everybody's friends and family is set up. You always offer to contribute. Like you always offer like, yo, let me hit you with a couple hundred just for, you know, like a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars for some food, or you know, you do something really like you have to. It is always appreciated when you're a host to someone, especially when it's for um, an extended period of time, right? Like if you're staying at somebody's house for a week, don't just eat their shit for a week and not contribute anything. Like if somebody's staying with you for the weekend, or if somebody's just like, hey, I'll be in town for two days. Do you mind if I could get at your place? I have cousins that come and do that with me and I don't expect anything of them. But I remember one time my cousin bought a friend of his and they stayed at my place for about two or three nights. 
and they ended up leaving me the airbed, I think. So I know that, oh, okay, well, I'm getting something out of this. I appreciate that. They made sure that they cleaned up after themselves. They didn't, you know, they weren't disruptive to my neighbors, like just courtesy, you know what I mean? Common sense. And for the most part, when you get along with certain people or you have a certain, um, uh, I don't want to say arrangement, but you have a certain understanding with your folks, it's really, really an option and an opportunity for you to get outside of your neighborhood and get somewhere else for the low. Also, generally when you stay with people that are from the area, they're going to know where the places to go and what shit to do for the low. Like you don't get caught up in all the touristy stuff. You don't get caught paying for this event and this party at this uh, location that's supposed to be all the rave, but it's not your kind of rave. It's not your kind of it's not your kind of party. So although there are some clubs in Manhattan that have, you know, a lot of popularity and people always want to go, I am not really into, um, say I'm not even really into dance hall. So although it may be the most popular, uh, club or venue, if you will, at a time, that's not for me. But if I'm going to stay with my cousins or if I'm going to stay with my homegirls, they know that I'm more of a lounge. I'm more of a mom and pop shop, a kickback kind of spot, someplace quiet. The average age of the crowd is maybe like mid thirties, maybe forties. And everybody's there to have a good time. Nobody's doing that judgy, judgy thing where they stand on the wall and kind of just stare at you just because we're all outside. Like we don't leave the house to go sit someplace and just watch. We're either going to go sit and have our drinks or we might dance a little bit. Everybody's an adult and everybody has a good time. And when you, you know, visit friends and family that know your personality, they know to bring you someplace where you're going to, one, stay on budget. You got to make sure you put that out there. And then two, they're going to help you do something that is going to be better suited for your personality and the shit that you're actually into, right? So that saves you money right there because you're not wasting money on stuff that you are going to end up not really enjoying just because it's popular and it's not. I actually touch on that in my travel planning course, which is available at my website, travelandshippodcast.com. You go to the little shop section and scroll to the um, link for the website and you can purchase for, not even purchase, download it for free. It's a free download. And I get into how to use Google to work out for you in the best way possible. Cause a lot of times you get caught with, like I just said, looking for popular attractions or places that everyone loves and you kind of miss the mark because something is really popular. You're really not paying attention to the things that you are interested in. And I really touch on that in that course. So download that copy and get you some more information there. And also when you travel and visit people that you um, that you know, a lot of times they'll come pick you up from the airport. Don't forget that a lot of times that is also a, I don't wanna say a large cost, but it's a cost that a lot of people tend to forget um, is associated with travel. Like once you get someplace, are you going to take the bus, the train, or some other version of, or variation of public transportation when you get to a destination? Or are you going to have to take a taxi? Are you going to have your host pick you up? Is that an option that you can also um, look to to save money? So if you're going to visit friends or family, a lot of times they'll come get you from the airport so you don't have to worry about, um, you know, uh, 
paying for a train ticket or even paying for an Uber to get where you're staying. So that's all dependent on who you're going to stay with. Obviously, if they don't drive, duh, figure it out. But just something to consider that there are a lot of different little, uh, I don't wanna say shortcuts, but there are many things that you are able to get around having to pay for when you are staying with people that you're cool with. Um, Also, you, I think I'm just gonna jump to the second one and then it'll flesh itself out a little bit more clearly. Travel doesn't have to be excessively glamorous. I think that because many people get so caught up in all of the IG and Facebook and, you know, travel blogs where we of course appreciate great photography, great content, and it's beautiful. There are incredible things to see around the world, but many times a lot of what is highlighted and consistently featured in a lot of, you know, these, I guess you could say content channels are the, you know, the huge, not the huge mansions, but the really high-end housing with the private pools that have an outlook over the rainforest or the infinity pool that has, you know, an incredible view of the mountains in the background or, completely secluded and isolated houses where you've got, you know, maybe house staff. And we've all seen those really, really wild fly dope IG posts, right? And it's beautiful. We all deserve to experience luxury in our lives. However, if that ass is on a budget, it can make you feel as if travel isn't accessible to you when you're consistently seeing shit that is out of your price range. When I tell you I've had some of the best times being a basic bitch, I promise you can have so much fun doing the exact same shit that you do at home while you're on vacation. You don't always have to um, upgrade to a suite. You don't have to, you know, have an entire house to yourself. You can absolutely spend $16 a night, stay at a hostel, and explore a local community by just walking the fuck around. I know when I went to Tel Aviv, I stayed in, um, I think this is actually on my website. I also have a resource tab where I list the accommodations that I stayed at, a lot of the companies that I patronized while I was in an area, and a couple of the different destinations, locations, and places that I visited while I was there that, um, you know, made for a good time, if you will. So that being said, you don't have to stay in luxury. Stay where that pocket can afford. Count your coins and book accordingly. So the two go together very nicely. Travel can be accessible outside of the glamour and the glitz of it all, which makes it a little bit more uh, accessible. It's less expensive than you would like to think it. Well, I don't wanna say that than you would like to think because I would think that you would like to think that it's not expensive. That tongue twister aside, it does not have to be full on luxury every time you go someplace. You can absolutely stay at, I don't wanna say low end, but economically accessible destinations. Like I said, hostels in so many places of the world. I have had 
no, no, not so many places. I've only stayed in hostels in Europe and I've had $16 hostels. I've had $40 hostels. I've had hostels where, uh, and every hostel that I stayed in, the bathroom was in the room. I don't, yep. Nope. Every hostel that I stayed in had a private bathroom. You can also even stay someplace a little bit cheaper and share a bathroom if you want. Um, but I've only stayed in one hostel where it was a co-ed room and it ended up just being me and another woman. And other than that, I've stayed in hostels for those of you that are concerned with, you know, the whole mixed company dorm setting. It's possible to actually book a room where there are only three other beds. You don't have to stay in a hostel that has room capacities of like 12 people and 24 people. Those are absolutely opportunities also. So if you're traveling with a group, that is a cheap way for all y'all asses to be, you know, together and not, you know, out overdo the spending in terms of accommodations. So there are ways that you can get out and see the world without spending every penny that you have. That's not to say that there isn't a, co- a cost associated to travel. There's a cost associated to clothing yourselves, but you can go to a thrift store as opposed to going to, um, you know, Fifth Avenue or to Rodeo Drive. You don't have to go high end to buy your clothes. You could absolutely slide the fuck it into a Kohl's or to a Macy's or a TJ Maxx or a Burlington. You can like you book and you travel according to what you can afford. So it's, um, also possible, I won't say free stays, but there are ways to get almost free trips. So one of the ways that I've been able to do that is by points. I have accumulated enough points with, um, some credit cards that I didn't have to pay for a flight. I know with my Amex card, I didn't pay for my trip to Costa Rica. I paid for the accommodations, but I didn't pay for the flight. I want to say my round trip flight to Costa Rica was covered by um, flight flight points because yeah, I have an Amex, one of the Amex that goes with, um, it's like the Delta gold card or some shit like that. So those points were specifically used with Delta. But um, in hindsight, unless you are beholden to a, an airline, I would suggest not you know, getting a card that restricts you to an airline. And if you're into reading the fine print and, you know, getting all the information possible, do that, you know, pick credit cards according to your own pockets and limitations and all that other jazz. But in my experience, I realized that having a card that gave me points to only fly with one airline was a pain in my ass because I would have say, um, enough flights to go some enough flights, enough points to go somewhere. However, not with that airline, some cards and some airlines require like a shit ton of points for you to get anywhere. Like, I feel like in my experience, JetBlue, I've been able to travel with fewer points. I also ended up having a free one way to Seattle. I flew from JFK to Seattle and I didn't pay for that flight because I ended up having enough, uh, miles from previous flights that I'd had with JFK. So when you travel, regardless of whether or not you're going 
three states over or three time zones over. Set up a known traveler number with those airlines so that you can accumulate those points so that they add up. Even if it takes you, you know, a year or two. Also check to see how, uh, when the points expire. Don't hold me to that. But I know that over the course of a couple of years, I have accumulated enough points and then been able to roll those points into, if not the entire flight, book one way. You don't have to book the entire flight with those points, you know? So that is something to consider. You don't have to book an all-inclusive everywhere you go. Also, not everywhere um, offers all-inclusive packages. But I personally know that I can't drink and eat, you know, $200 worth of shit, $300 worth of stuff in a single day. Um, That's just me. I, for that reason, don't particularly care for all-inclusives because the price difference between just booking it separately or just booking an accommodation out and then paying for my own food, just it, for me, the math works out that all-inclusives don't always work. Sometimes, yes, it did end up working out for me when I was in Bermuda um, because the additional price that I would have paid for the all-inclusive option in the package was like, it was negligible. It was maybe like an extra $100 and I can absolutely eat and drink $100 in a day. But look into what the cost, uh, the difference in the cost of the all-inclusive option and the option that isn't all-inclusive. So you may not always be saving money. You really want to look into that and know what your habits are. If you're not a heavy drinker, is an all-inclusive that includes alcohol really beneficial for you? You know what I mean? Also, the thing for me with all-inclusives is that it somewhat deters me from going to um, visit other restaurants. It deters me from maybe trying local cuisines and exploring the neighborhoods that I'm staying in. I also think that many times when you book, what will save you a little bit money, it's going to be a little bit, this is the tricky part. So you can save money by staying a little bit outside of the city center. However, you have to keep in mind what type of shit you're trying to get into and what the, how you're going to navigate an area is going to be. I like staying someplace where it's very walkable or they have access to public transportation. I prefer taking buses and trains from the airport to my accommodations. And then I like staying places where I can just walk to everything nearby. I want restaurants. I want stores. I want uh, beaches. I want the shit that I'm going to an area for to be easily accessible so that I'm not spending wild money on taxis. Because you don't need a driver everywhere. You Some places, it's safer and it's more beneficial. But depending on where you're going, it's not going to be necessary. However, don't think that you're saving money by staying far out of um, the city center or don't choose an accommodation based on the low price and then end up having to spend a lot of money or spend a lot of time getting to all the activities that you're actually interested in. So you have to really make sense of what it is you're going to an area for and what all you would like to do while you're out there. If you are, you know, looking to have beach access and 
um, try a lot of local cuisines, you might want some place that you can walk to all those things. However, if you're going there for something that has to get accomplished, like if you're going to visit family or if you're going for some kind of work prog- um, project or you know something with work, you are more beholden to a specific area because there are things that have to get done. Um, that being said, you don't always have to book the most elaborate experiences. You can pick one good experience that you know you may not be able to do outside of that location. Like when I went to um, Qatar, I stayed in capital city, Doha, and I knew that the chances or the likelihood of me getting to a desert anytime soon was very low. So I ended up spending quite a pretty penny on doing uh, the desert excursion. Like I wanted to drive through the desert, do the whole camel ride and all that shit. So I ended up having to, you know, come out of pocket. Uh, pro tip, look into the apps that you may be using to book your experiences. I like, um, it's been a while, y'all, but I want to say TripAdvisor, Expedia. Um, wait, let me see if it's right here on the app. I usually go, no, that's not it. I usually go with, you know how you put stuff someplace safe so that you can use, here we go, travel booking. I usually go with, oh, I book a lot of shit with Airbnb, Expedia, and Viator. Those are the top three that I use, Expedia, Airbnb, and Viator. Those are the three apps that I use most frequently to book my um, experiences. And what I've learned the hard way is that a lot of times you have a specific window with which you can, um, that you're allowed to book. So if you're going to be someplace Monday through, let's say Friday and you need a, and you need, um, three days in order to book an experience, don't wait until Thursday to book something for Friday if they'll only let you select uh, an option that's three days away. So hopefully to make it make sense, I'll say I got, let's just say I got to uh, Doha on Monday. I was leaving on Wednesday. The first available trip uh, experience, the desert experience at the lower price that I wanted to do, the first available experience window, like the first window, I'm sorry if I'm being redundant, the first window that they were allowing me to book in was on Thursday and I would have been able to go on Wednesday or even Tuesday but I waited until I got there to try to book and it ended up being outside the window so if I had booked before I got there for the day of the week that I wanted to go I'd have been able to do it however the problem with doing things like that is weather is the weather going to be great while you're there sometimes you don't know you don't really want to trust the app you want to just feel it out when you get there or you don't want to, you're not certain about something, you want to kind of see how you feel that day before you spend the money on it, that's all well and good. Just know what your windows are so that you have all options at your disposal. So you absolutely don't have to spend luxury prices to have a good time. You've got the option of staying at less expensive um, accommodations. You can stay at hostels. You could stay with friends and family that you may know. And also consider just saving your fucking coins for when you want to go. Another 
way that I found that makes it more um, financially accessible for me is booking things in pieces. So I always book my flight first. I'll book the flight and then maybe next cycle, next paycheck, I'll book my accommodations. After I book my accommodations, the check before I travel or while I'm there or whatever money I've kind of put aside for, um, you know, being out in this new environment, I will use that to book my experiences. So it doesn't have to be all in one paycheck. You don't have to do it all at one time. You could absolutely book further out and, you know, just work your way up to it. So I don't work for you. I don't make your, I don't make your money. So I can't say, you know, what you're able to do with your money. And I don't like to make it seem like, oh, travel so cheap. You just got to do it the right way because cheap is subjective, expensive, affordable is subjective. What's affordable for me doesn't have to be affordable for anybody else, because I promise you somebody can actually afford, you know, a first class flight. I can't. So I don't book first class, but what I do is I make sure that if I know that I have a trip coming up, I will make sure I cook instead of ordering lunch. That's, I can eat an entire paycheck, promise you. And one of the things that I know that I cut back on is absolutely ordering out food. I cut out the takeout and I cook the shit that's in the house or I just do grocery shopping. And that's one of the ways that I'm able to really save money. I might, um, well, old me would do a little bit overtime at work so that I'd have a little extra money to play with in terms of being able to afford a larger expense because $600 on a flight is still $600 on a flight. Whether you, you know, had to save up $600 or you just had a liquid 600 disposable dollars just to spend, the price is still the price. You don't have to do it all in one shot. You don't have to spend the $600 on your flight, the $300 on your accommodations and the $200 on your experiences all in one shot. You can absolutely book them separately and in a way that it is more convenient to whatever your um, pay cycle schedule is or whatever your budget allows for. So you don't have to do it together. You don't have to do the really high-end and luxurious places that you're always seeing on Instagram. Those photos or um, the the incredible content a lot of creators are, you know, showing may give you a spark and, you know, put a place on the map for you. They may absolutely intrigue you enough that you'll say, hey, I want to look into this destination. You can absolutely do that and then scale it to what is affordable for you. I, like I said, in Tel Aviv, I just stayed in a regular ass neighborhood and did regular ass shit. I walked to local restaurants and ate. I wandered around. Like when I tell you just getting lost in somebody else's neighborhood is one of my favorite things to do. I promise it's a lot more fun than it sounds. I don't like doing it at home. I hate being lost when I'm home, but I have a really shit sense of direction. So it's very easy for the kids to get lost. But the getting found part is a lot of fun. You find a lot of really interesting shit. You just look at, I like the people watch also. And that's free. I didn't have to pay for that. Most I do is pay 
for, you know, the food that I pick up or the snacks that I grab. I also love trying local beers. So I'll go to a corner store or a supermarket and just walk through the aisles and giggle at the different flavors of the chips. Cause let me tell y'all something, there are some gross, gross flavors out there, but somebody like them. Cause they, they, apparently they're selling, I guess. I don't know, but different countries have wild different flavors. They've got a lot of different, um, you know, foods and fruits and things to try. And I really enjoy trying little, um, little treats and shit from around the world because again, cheap, 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 cheap. Also, you don't necessarily have to go to destinations that are extra expensive. I would say one of the most affordable places to that to go. Where one of the Rome was pretty pricey. Excuse me. What else? I think Thailand. Yeah, Thailand was Thailand as well as Indonesia. I was in Phuket in Thailand and I stayed in Bali while I was in Indonesia. Now, the most expensive part about there was the flight. You're going to drop a couple coins to get out there. But once you're there, by American standards, everything is dirt cheap. When I tell you I got $7 massages in Bali, good massages too. I mean, I was the most relaxed probably I'd been anywhere. I even had a woman come to the house that I was staying at to give me a massage, like a two hour massage. And I think that that may have ran me maybe $40. Um, in Phuket, I'd say I was able, I bought like a couple of, you know, cheap little outfits, just little jumpers and rompers and dresses and shirts and shit. Those were all really inexpensive. I was most impressed with the tattoo price. Like I ended up getting a relatively large tattoo on my forearm. I have a travel sleeve. Um, if you're watching on the, the internet, I think you can see it right now. Like I'm trying to see which y'all can see. Yeah, this one, let me see, which way am I turning it? Here we go. This dream catcher. So for scale, here's my hand. It's almost as large as the palm of my hand, almost. It's not that big, but you can kind of see that it's a, relatively large tattoo, right? I think I spent $120 on it, which if you get ink, pennies, bruh, that's pennies, okay? Um, so yeah, Southeast Asia was probably the, the least that I'd spent. And you, the food, I mean, full on meals, feast, really, really inexpensive. So once you get there, realize that your spending is basically dependent on you. You don't have to buy a million, you know, you don't have to go to Paris and buy designer handbags. You don't have to. Is it an option? Absolutely. But you don't have to go someplace and drop wild bread. You can absolutely do some of the cost-effective things that you do at home while you're abroad. These are it, it, it sounds like, duh, because duh. Sometimes if you don't have somebody remind you, like you don't have to be extravagant. You don't have to be, you know, luxury at every turn. Yes, these are still fun and enriching and really exciting trips. I, I promise you, you can stay uh, on budget 
whatever that budget you're going to set for yourself is and know what it is you want to do while you're in an area, because that absolutely allows for you to, um, prepare for that in particular. I know that the Northern Lights was a phenomenon that I absolutely wanted to see in my lifetime. So when I went to Norway, that was my major expense. I spent, it was cold as fuck when I went. So I didn't spend too much time like exploring around the area. And in that, on that trip in particular, I was only in Norway for, I want to say two full days. And the first day I kind of just hung out in the house because one of the days was a Sunday and apparently where I was staying that area, everything basically shuts down on Sunday. I think if I'd gotten up early enough, I could have taken like a tram and gone into the city. But at the time I just wasn't interested. You also have the option of just chilling at home, if you will, and home being whatever accommodation you decide to stay in. Sometimes just laying up in the bed or laying on the couch or looking out the window in another area is fulfilling enough. It's just the idea of reading a book someplace else. I know I had the radio on and you know I checked in with friends and I did a lot of just the dumb shit that we waste our days with and fill our time with at home, you can do with an entirely different view. And baby, I had a view. It was beautiful. I ended up staying, um, in a really, really cute apartment. So it was really nice and comfortable just being inside. And on the second day I was there, I ended up spending about, I'd say maybe 150 to $200, it may have been. That was the one expense that I had. And I went on a trip that uh, did like a bus ride around, um, I won't say the country, but it drove around looking for the Northern Lights. So it's called Chasing Lights. And I absolutely have links to that on the website as well. And what I liked about this tour guide, uh, well, this tour company in particular, was that they didn't just hit like two different spots and say, oh, well, I'm sorry, it sucks. It's not here. We're not able to see it at this location tonight. Womp womp. But you can come do it again tomorrow and we won't charge you. Well, if you're only there for two days or if you're leaving the next day, that's not an option for you. So what I appreciate about chasing lights is that they actually fucking chase the lights. They, they track it, whatever science that they use, and they track the lights and they will drive to where it is likely to be visible for that night in particular. So we were able to see the Northern Lights from, you know, the vantage of maybe, I'd say we hit about three or four different areas with an entirely different landscape to view the lights um, I guess in, and it was absolutely, absolutely breathtaking. Like that was one of my favorite travel experiences and it was on the higher end of what you might book for an experience, but there are absolutely experiences that run even more than that. But I've also booked experiences that were maybe like $45, $25. You know what I mean? There are some smaller things that you can do. It just depends on what you want to do and what the fuck you want to spend. So travel does not have to be expensive, nor does it have to be completely glamorous at every turn. Next, it doesn't have to be unsafe. I know that there are plenty of people that ask or wonder, I, I, that's one of the questions that I get the most. Like, why do you go by yourself? Like, you don't feel, um, you're not scared, you don't, it's not dangerous. And it's like, well, yeah, it can be dangerous. But, and yeah, it can be scary, but 
I don't like to, uh, especially not with travel. I don't like to let fear stop me. I let it guide me. And I say that and I'm, but what I mean by that is being scared doesn't mean that, you know, it's unachievable. It just means that there is a barrier to you achieving it. And that's your, your own personal feelings, right? Now I'm born and bred Queens girl. I live in New York. I can't speak to what someone that hasn't grown up in a metropolitan city may feel about going to, you know, different countries where they may be larger cities or even smaller cities or just experiences where they're, you know, so far away from home by themselves. I understand that everybody's life experience lends to different um, views and feelings about being alone. But I personally, I, for a long time, lived by myself. For most of my adult life, I've lived alone. I do everything by myself. I thrive alone. I actually enjoy my company. So for me, the whole being by myself part was never, um, I won't say never. Before I left, I didn't leave the country till I was 30. I was grown, grown. And a lot of the reason, but I didn't leave for so long beforehand. It was because I was basically waiting for someone to go with. I was waiting on homegirls to be able to go. I was waiting on, you know, some magical man that, I didn't have at the time to, you know, fly me out. Well, no, partial lie. I've been flewed out before. It was fun until it wasn't. But um, before that, it was just, okay, I'll wait for, you know, this really great relationship to be able to go on these romantic getaways. Or um, I'll wait for my friends that have kids and husbands to have time to be able to go with me. And, you know, after a while, I just got tired of waiting for everybody else to do something that I was really curious about, something that I really wanted to do. And at the time meant a lot to me. And when I was ready to just go by myself, the same way I was doing a lot of other things by myself, it became something that I realized, "Hmm, this ain't bad. And The same sense that I use to navigate neighborhoods in my own country and in my own state and in my own city that I may not be familiar with is the same sense that I use when I go abroad. I've spoken about this in a lot of other episodes before, but um, I'm going to say it again since we're on topic now. Use your common sense. The same, you know, intuition that you listen to, and I would say doing new things while you're home lends itself to building that intuition so that when you're further away from home, you're able to trust your intuition a little bit better. And it's not a new practice. It's not something that is uh, foreign to you so that it actually, you know, it hits a little bit different when you're used to using it. Right. Um, same thing with anything, same thing with muscles. It's like a muscle. You stretch, you exercise, you um, practice at something and it becomes easier to do. So I think that when you are more familiar with uncertainty because you tend or lend yourself to trying new things and new experiences while you're home, it makes it a little bit easier for you to, um, you know, take in that same excitement and a little bit of fear of the unknown abroad 
when you're even further away from your uh, comfort zone, that is. So I there's danger everywhere, you know? It's not that there's some magic formula or some that you have to, and of course, when you're booking your accommodations, read the reviews. I know that I personally prefer Airbnb. I enjoy Airbnbs, one, because pricing. I tend to find really incredible options in my budget, like within whatever price range I'm comfortable spending in a location. Airbnb generally has it for me. Um, I'm not above or below staying at a hotel. I just like Airbnbs also for the fact that it lets me feel more um, immersed in the local culture, if you will. I also like walking out of someone's house versus walking out of a um, hotel. I feel like it makes me look less touristy. I mean, of course you're rolling up to somebody's house with a suitcase or with a backpack or a duffel or whatever, your form of packing is. But that being said, it's once you get that out the way and then you're coming and going in and out of a building on somebody's block or out of a house or, you know, from a complex or something, if you keep your mouth shut and walk with purpose, like you belong there, because here's the catch, you belong everywhere, right? The world is all of ours. The world doesn't just belong to some people. The world belongs to everyone. So when you walk with purpose and like, I love to consistently repeat my guest from, I believe it was episode 115 or so. I don't remember the, no, it wasn't 115. That was eight. Denise was maybe episode 110. Carry yourself like you're somebody's daughter. Carry yourself like you're somebody's granddaughter. You're somebody's sister. Carry yourself like you belong to yourself. You are yours and you get to be everywhere in the world. Don't walk around in fear. Don't walk around as if, you know, don't do the whole touristy thing and you're walking with, you know, cameras and maps and, you know, like the the stereotypical tourists, like they'll show on TV and stuff like that. Don't do that. Walk like you got sense, walk with purpose and, you know, don't be afraid. You will more, you, I won't say more than likely because damn, I've absolutely stood out. Like when I was in old China, I stood out. When I was in, uh, was it Austria? I feel like, yeah, there I felt like I stood out. Even in Spain, I felt like the kids stood out. Um, I stayed in a smaller town, Lagagria, and I barely saw any people of color, let alone black people. Um, that being said, black folks is everywhere. People of color are everywhere. There may not be a lot of us in a place and we may be kind of new to some faces that we see out there. However, they know we're a thing, okay? They know we exist. So be comfortable wherever you're going as long as you use your good sense. When you're booking on Airbnbs, Google the neighborhood, okay? Or if it's in an area where you know that you've had friends or family, or even if there's somebody that you follow on Instagram or on Facebook and they've been in the area or, you know, join different Facebook groups for a travel, you can absolutely hop on one of those, leave a uh, post and ask like, hey, I'm going to be traveling to X, Y, and Z location. What are some suggested cities to stay in or 
what are some areas that you think someone should avoid in a particular location? Um, those are all little things to keep in mind. I remember I was going to um, Atlanta a couple of about, I'd say like a year ago, and I was looking to book an Airbnb and the dude was like, yeah, don't go here. Mm-mm, not there. I'm just like, oh, it looks wild. Nice. Like the place is beautiful. And he's just like, oh, you're forgetting this is Atlanta. Everybody's got granite countertops, central heating. I mean, central air and, you know, a beautiful layout. But there's an empty lot across the street with wild crackheads. It's like, don't do it to yourself. I actually live four blocks over and I pass this street every day on my way to work. You don't want to stay there. Um, so there are, I don't want to say there's, they're absolutely not scams, but when you're looking on Airbnb, read the descriptions, look and see what people who stayed there recently had to say. I know when I'm traveling to a place where blackness may be foreign to some, I like to look for reviews from other people of color. I like to look at reviews from people who may, um, be outwardly queer. This way I can get a gauge as to what that community feels or how they treat others. And I've been pretty fucking successful with that. I read the shit out of some reviews and I don't stay places that don't have reviews. There have been really, you know, cheap accommodations. There have been really cute accommodations that were brand spanking new, but again, I am a solo traveler. I'm a solo woman and I happen to be a black woman. If you haven't noticed by now, I am not going to just, you know, haphazardly place myself anywhere. Part of that good common sense that I possess and that I use when I go other places is asking fucking questions. And without being able to reach out to someone directly and say, Hey, where do you suggest going in a certain location? I've absolutely gone by, uh, based off of reviews and the more recent, the better. And also you want to see if the, the host like responds back to those reviews. Uh, cleanliness matters to me, location, walkability, and um, also how people have stated they have felt in the area while walking around. Like, did they say, hey, I walked home. Like, a lot of people will make sure to note, you know, you know, I ended up going out. There's a couple of local bars in the area. I, solo traveler, hopped around, felt safe, you know, and those kind of reviews, you know, really add a little bit of credence for me when I'm choosing a destination. Um, dog is so cute. She is slowly falling asleep and trying not to fall out of my lap right now, guys. You got to check her out. Watch on the YouTubes. Um, that being said, what was the next one? Another one, another misconception. People think that solo travel is lonely. Aha, psych, it's not. Mind you, when I'm home, low-key a hermit. I don't really go nowhere. I don't do shit. I'm always in the grip and that's okay with me. I am, I don't wanna say I'm an introvert, but I'm absolutely not an extrovert. I guess I'm more of an ambivert. I have more introvert qualities though. I get uh, energized and I'm refreshed by spending time by myself. Uh, you're not going to put me in the middle of a party or in a large crowd and I'm going to, you know, feel, oof, I'm ready to tackle on the world. For me, it's more like, this is too much. I want to go. 
So it is quite uh, baffling even to myself that when I travel, I tend to be a little bit more of an extrovert. I find myself more willing to talk to strangers. I find that wherever I go, because let's just say this, clearly I know how to talk. I have no problem speaking, right? I am confident in my voice. I don't mind, I'm not afraid or fearful of, you know, conversation. I just don't particularly care for small talk in normal settings, but some reason, maybe when it comes to being abroad, I have no problem picking up a conversation with someone that looks interesting on a tour bus in the seat next to me. I am not necessarily lending myself to um, empty bad banter or chatter with someone that doesn't look interested in having conversation. You absolutely got to read the room. But I've found that making friends while abroad is pretty easy because for the most part, there are going to be solo travelers on a lot of the shit that you do. And what I've also found to be like the perfect cheat code and wild clutch is being the only person on an experience. That I think I've, no, I won't say that I've gained more from because I've made I've made some really cool uh, friends from different experiences around the world. Like Cuba was a good one. I met a lot of really cute, cool folks in Cuba. Same for Cartagena. Met mad dope people in Cartagena. Um, happy birthday, real spiffy. And real brief though, congratulations to you and your wife on the baby. Those are all folks that I met abroad. Um, Kev, congratulations on your lingerie line. Uh, I want to say those are the top three that I'm remembering right now, but I've also gotten pretty cool with quite a few of my, I guess, tour guides or experience leaders, if you will, in Guadalupe. I was the only person on my, um, experience with Kat and Ben of Surf Guada. And we still keep in contact digitally, of course, just checking every once in a while on the Instagrams. Hope you guys well. Um, you know, I'll tag them when I post my surf photos. And they were so, 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 so cool. They were so down to earth and made for a really great experience. And being the only person allowed them to answer all my questions, take my photos for me. And you're able to kind of establish a little bit of a rapport when there's nobody else to talk to. What else? I've had really good tour experiences in Casablanca. I ended up staying with the host that offered tours. So she and I had a great day together. It was really easy conversation. She knew all the shit that I was interested in based on us just talking. You know, um, she found out that I enjoyed coffee. So she made sure that we stopped at a lot of little cafes and little spots where I could grab and try different kinds of coffee. I remember in Barcelona, I went on one of those really big bus tours and we went to, uh, it was a three country tour. So we visited Northern Spain, then we hit Andorra and we hit France. And I made really friendly with the woman that was sitting next to me on the bus. We had an incredible day taking each other's photos, chatting, getting to know each other. And, you know, it was 
it lends itself to being very easy when, if you're a solo traveler, you notice somebody else is traveling by themselves. I also find that when I'm surrounded with other black folk, it's lit. Like we all just kind of vibe together. I, I feel like blackness abroad is such a beautiful experience where we all lend our, um, our personalities to each other and just really tend to, um, I'd say we hit it off much easily, much more easily than, um, in my experience, I've always been a lot more welcomed and a lot more, um, open to conversation or been better received to conversation from other people of color while I've traveled. That's just, it is what it is, especially other black Americans or Americans of color. When we travel, I feel like there's like an, un what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's like a unspoken understanding that we looking out for each other. You know what I mean? So that's one of the, uh, the really cool things about being travel, like black travelers and travelers of color, just being around the world and just seeing like, Oh, I see you sis. Like, I see you bro. Don't worry about it. Like you need someplace to sit. I got you like, Oh wait, hold on. We missing somebody. We wait, we waiting on one more person. Like we, we tend to, in my experience, we tend to look out for each other. So Travel does not have to be lonely and it doesn't have to be, um, also if you don't want to talk to other people, you ain't got to, you are the adult. <laughs> like you don't have to speak to people that you don't want to speak to. So it can be as, uh, sociable or as, I'm just going to say reserved or as solo as you would want the trip to be, but that's absolutely up to you, but it doesn't have to be lonely. It doesn't get boring. You generally still got your phone. So if you have a down moment and you want to reach out to somebody, or if it's someone that you want to check in with or speak to or entertain yourself with, call your homies, text your friends, text your families, ask them questions while you're there. You can also, you know, scroll the socials to see what all is going on in the areas that you're in. Another uh, pro tip, a lot of places will have expat groups. So if you are Canadian and you're going to, I don't know, Istanbul, look and see if there are Canadian expat groups. This way you can link up with other people who share cultural norms as you do while you're in these other locations. It may be as simple as, hey, where do you guys like going to have coffee? Or where do you guys like to uh, find the best poutine? You know what I mean? Is that how you pronounce it? I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it. Like poutine, right? Yeah. I actually had better poutine in like Westchester, New York than I actually did in Canada, which was wild to me, but the facts are the facts. Um, that being said, I cannot stress enough how useful Facebook groups have been. I've gotten a lot of really useful information and been able to connect with people and get, uh, details and little nuanced pieces of, um, you know, usable, I didn't want to say information again, but usable information from Facebook groups. And the last misconception that I wanted to highlight is that travel has to be difficult or confusing. I know some people can be a little bit put off or standoffish about going to a country where they don't speak the language. Y'all, there, we've got the technology. Your cell phone happens to have, well, if you have a smartphone, if you got a flip phone, 
might want to look into uh, another option, an alternative, if you will. But our phones have the option to download apps that'll absolutely translate everything for you. Google Translate, Clutch, I believe, yes, it still has the option where if you click on the little camera feature in the app, it'll translate pictures for you. So if I used it in the grocery store in Norway, you would think that it would be very easy to just shop by eye. Okay, I want this, I'll eat that, I'll eat this. But when you pick something up and you don't recognize, so is this a shrimp, is it a prawn? Like, what am I looking at? Do I really want this cup of noodles with prawns or do I wanna just get the beef cup of noodles? You know what I mean? Or if you're not sure what flavor profile something is, or if you're allergic to something in particular and you don't read or understand, um, you know, um, Chinese or Japanese uh, characters. If you don't speak Arabic, you want to know whether or not if you've got, you know, an allergy to soy, you want to know whether some shit's got soy in it. So you don't necessarily have to find someone that speaks the language that you speak. You could use your translator app. Um, and a lot of times what I think people miss out on is a little bit of opportunity for adventure. Don't want to say what could possibly go wrong and uh, where do I have what jinx that perhaps? But yeah, sometimes there is just enough fun in the unknown that it becomes something to actually look into doing. I, um, by no stretch of the imagination speak any dialect of Chinese and nor do I read or understand the characters, but still had a good ass fucking time in China. I know when I got off the plane, the, uh, my Wi-Fi was a little janky and I forgot to download um, uh, the, the language. Another pro tip, download the language before you get there while you have Wi-Fi. So if you're going someplace and you know that they speak um, Greek, download Greek on your, on your app before you leave. This way, if there's no service, you can still translate with ease and the uh, language will populate and do the conversion for you. But Google Translate has been clutch. Also, try maybe learning a little phrase here or there. My favorites are hello and thank you. A lot of people will be a little bit more uh, willing to assist if you show a little bit of effort in um, trying to communicate. Don't expect that everywhere you go, people are gonna speak your language. Uh, also, a lot of times you forget that people are people and people are going to people. I've found that a lot of people are really actually willing to help you if you just ask for help. A smile is universal. Pleasantries and niceties aren't generally, uh, you know, really confusing for a lot of people in um, different languages. So if you consider smiling, do the little hand up like, hi, you know what I mean? Um, point to your phone, I wanna translate. A lot of people kind of pick up what's going on and they understand like if you're saying hi in English, that's another catch that I do. Even if I'm in another location, like if I'm someplace else, I'll sometimes say hi in English or hello in English just to 
you know, gauge whether or not they're going to respond to me in English and see if they speak English. Uh, also, if you do have certain food allergies, it can really be helpful for you to learn what those words are, or at least write them down or copy them or take photos of what that is. Like if you're allergic to chicken, figure out what the symbol for chicken is or what the word for chicken in that language is so that when you're going to find your foods, you know how to scan and find, not gonna order this, not gonna order that. This way you're not uh, reliant on someone else to tell you that something that could really you know, hurt you or make you sick or whatever is in the food because God forbid you ask them and they think you're thinking something else and then you're fucked. Um, so consider that Google, is Google all around the fucking world. You may need to uh, download, I wanna say it's a VPN. I think that's what it is. It's a VPN. I know in certain countries like um, China, they, there is restricted access to the internet. So depending on the destination, look into that in advance because that's it's usually, you can do sometimes free trials for different services that'll offer that. And other times it's just, relatively affordable. You might be able to spend $20 for a VPN and for the week or whatever that you're going to be in this location, even if it's just a day, would you rather spend $20 once to be able to access the internet or access information that you know that you're going to need or save the $20 and be stressed out the entire time or really miss out on a lot of opportunities because you weren't able to translate or look something up, right? So, it doesn't have to be that difficult. You don't also have to, um, if you take the time to book things in advance, like transportation, you can save yourself the confusion or the, um, the uh, what do you call it? What's the word I'm looking for? The, the hassle of trying to navigate things that are a little bit difficult for you. Remember that a lot of countries have that driving on the other side of the road. I know personally, I don't even like driving in my own country. Can I drive? Yes. Am I a pretty good driver? I fucking think so as well. However, there's no joy in it really in a lot of cases. I have to really be in the mood to want to do like a road trip or something like that, right? So for me, I have no interest. Come on, puppy. I have no interest in driving on the opposite side of the street. I have no interest in uh, navigating, you know, a car in a foreign country where I can't read the street signs. Um, I'm pretty sure you can have your GPS speak to you in whatever language you speak. However, if they're pronouncing, I know she fucks up street names in English. So I'm certain that it's possible she's going to fuck up them names in another language. And if I can't read said language to see whether or not, you know, this is the street, you know, sometimes some turns is like, is it this one or is it the next one? And then a lot of different countries have different driving patterns. So for me, in order to avoid all of that confusion, I will stay in locations that have, uh, that are either very walkable and that I could just walk everywhere I'm trying to go or that have really good public transit systems so that I can, you know, navigate my way around the country or the, I mean, the city uh, in a way that is cost-effective and simple. I've found that buses can be a little confusing, but trains for the most part 
are so much easier in other countries around the world. Um, very much different than like in New York. New York's train system is rather easy to navigate once you kind of get a grasp on where to, all you need to know is where to get off. And what I've always, always, always learned to do to keep myself from going the wrong way is knowing what stop I'm getting on at, what the next stop should be if I'm going in the right direction. This way I'm not 45 minutes to an hour in my ride realizing that I'm going the wrong way. So when you get on a stop, figure out what stop is supposed to come next. If you're going the right way, this way, should you be going the wrong way, you're able to correct it very early on. If you are watching, you are seeing exactly how cute this damn dog is. And she's just looking up at me and being adorable. Um, so do a lot of things in advance so that once you get to your destination, it doesn't have to be difficult. You can book your, um, your taxi or arrange for your host or the hotel that you're staying at to pick you up from the airport. This way you don't have to navigate anybody's train or bus system. If that's going to be something that's going to be stressful for you. If you're someone that, uh, does checked luggage, I don't, that's not my, uh, you know, cup of tea. But if for some reason you have to check luggage, it may be a little bit easier for you to have someone come get you than trying to drag that luggage, you know, a mile from the terminal to the train and then a mile across cobblestones so that you can get to the hotel or the place that you're staying. Consider, like I said earlier, booking one or two of your excursions in advance. I don't like to book too many of them before I get to a destination of course, dependent on what the window that I have available to me to book said uh, experience. I don't necessarily like booking them too far in advance because should I change my mind or should the weather dictate otherwise or should I get someplace and realize, oh my God, I didn't know this was available this time of year. I absolutely want to do this instead. Things come up, you know? I like having that little bit of flexibility. Also, am I tired? I don't want to have something booked and be absolutely dead tired and jet lagged so that I'm not able to enjoy the money that I'm spending on, you know, an experience either. So certain things like the first day and the last day for the most part, I tend to, um, book in advance so that it's taken care of and stuff in between. And a lot of times I'll also just intentionally do nothing on those days so that I can get a feel for where my head is at and what that trip is actually going to um, be best for, for me. Like what's the best uh, course of action for me in that destination. And that lends itself to, uh, I guess my final point is being intentional about your travels. If you know that you are, you know, in a space or in a time or season, if you will, in your life that you really just need to kind of detach from stuff that's going on. What is your detachment style? Do you want to be inside? Do you want to lend yourself to self-care and relaxation, like meditation uh, meditation, or a nice little yoga class? Does cooking bring you peace? You might want to schedule a cooking class. Do you want to make sure that you're getting really great facials and massages and manis and pedis? If you're in... um 
a space where that's necessary for you in your life at that time, make sure that you make time for that, make space for that. If you are feeling adventurous and upbeat and you want to really explore and adventure and just step on a skinny branch and, you know, do things that aren't normal for you, you know, use this opportunity being elsewhere to tap into things uh, about yourself that you may not really have gotten to explore while in your comfort zone back at home. Look at opportunities that will give you an easeful, easeful, excuse me, transition into uh, new and exciting. So look into different experiences or excursions that you can do while you're at home, but then kind of give yourself that flexibility to say, all right, on this day, I'm feeling like an outdoor kind of experience and this is what I'm going to do. You know, I've got the different days that it's available to me and I'll either select in advance or select while I'm there, but kind of get a feel for what it is you need at that time while you're abroad. Because just because some place is near the beach doesn't mean that that's, um, cause that can go either way, right? The beach can lend itself to just really laying out, being in the sun, relaxing, spending some solo time, maybe reading, listening to music, or even, you know, having a nice conversation with like the family or, you know, a couple next to you, or it could lend itself to snorkeling, scuba diving, you know, a really cool excursion, like, you know, swimming with sea lions or swimming with mantas and, you know, a yacht party or, you know what I mean? Like, so the beach can have different opportunities in store for you. You just have to really tap in with yourself, check in and see what's going to serve you the best at that time. And I feel that when you are aware of what it is that you need for yourself to enjoy a trip, it becomes a little bit easier to navigate when you have those things in mind. It kind of sucks to get there and kind of feel like, ah, I don't even know what I want to do. And now you just spent two days trying to get a feel for what's going on. And now you only have another two days before you got to go home. So check in with yourself, see where you are, see where you're at in your head, see how you're feeling, see what all is going on with the rest of yourself, the rest of your life. And, you know, distinguish and discern what is going to be best for you at that time so that you can get the most out of that trip. And I feel that for me, in my experience, doing that and knowing how I'm feeling and knowing what I need makes it a lot less difficult and confusing for me when I'm in a destination because I know where my sensibilities are at that time. I know where to lend my attention and I know where to um, direct my interests while I'm in a space so that everything isn't confusing and I'm overwhelmed with a lot of options because I tend to crumble when it comes to being decisive. Like, don't give me too many options. I'm not going to have an answer for you. So check in with yourself, see what it is you're going to need and see what will serve you best so that you can do that and make sure that, um, those needs are met for yourself. So I hope that you all have enjoyed this episode. I hope it gave you a little bit more reassurance that travel is for you, that the world has so much more for you to experience than what's right here at your doorstep. Take a little bit of uh, an adventure and it doesn't have to be far. You don't have to be international to travel. If you live in Jersey, visit Connecticut. If you live in Texas, maybe visit Louisiana. Consider going someplace close. Uh, consider going to another city. I know that I'm a city girl. I grew up in Queens. I spend my time in Manhattan and Brooklyn. So I might decide, you know what? Let's head upstate. Let's go visit, um, I don't know, Lake George or 
maybe go to the Poconos or maybe even a trip to Atlantic City, but not necessarily staying on the boardwalk, but maybe staying in um, a nice little cute beach community that's still on this on the coast someplace, you know? So there are plenty of opportunities for you to do local, for you to do uh, short road trips or even longer road trips. Just check in with yourself, see what it is you're gonna need and see what will best serve you at that time. So I've happily happily been able to hopefully impress upon you that travel is so much more than vacation. And there's so much out there for you to experience if you just give yourself the opportunity. So put some coins aside, cook, we got food in the house, or do whatever it is that you do to put money aside. Because even though you may not be comfortable traveling now, or you may feel a little bit restrictive about traveling because of COVID, there's going to God willing come a time where we're able to get all out, out there, get all back out there and see more of the world. So hopefully these conversations are building up your uh, confidence so that you can get there when you're ready, or even just reminding you of the incredible experiences that you've been able to have in the past and gear you up for that next trip when you're ready to take it. Be sure to follow me on the Instagrams, um, T-R-A-V-E-L, the letter N-S-H underscore T. You can also find me on Facebook. It's just facebook.com slash traveling shit. You spell that one out. It's traveling shit podcast on Facebook. And you can also go to travelandshitpodcast.com for merch to download your travel planning course and to uh, get a lot of good resources that I have up there and just more information on uh, me and my travels, and how I think the world is an incredible place that has a lot of opportunities available. All right, y'all, that's it. Talk to y'all next week. Bye.